Hey, welcome back. It's the Sports Block Podcast. It feels like we've been gone for a year, but really, it's only been about a month. And we are here because the NFL draft is less than two weeks away, and you know what that means. We get to speak with our good friend Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns Podcast. Uh, Jeff, I hope you're well and good health and uh, not totally insane from being cooped up inside. Um, we're, do- we're doing the best we can, Nathan. Um, look, everybody's in the same boat right now. And it's really difficult to go through this when it's, there's no, hey, just make it through till this day. You know, like with anything, you say, all right, well, you know what, it's Monday, give me the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Right now, we don't know when our next legit Friday night, so to speak, or Saturday, or our next legit weekend is. Um, so everything, you gotta do what you can. I mean, you buckle down with you and yours. Um, it, it gets hectic at times, there's no doubt about it. But what is the alternative right now? Um, the alternative is not good. It's not nope. good by any means whatsoever. So in order to get ourselves essentially over the rainbow to the other side, you just got to do what you got to do. And if it means staying home and it means limited, hey, food store, drug store, nothing else, you just do what you got to do. Dak Prescott, take note of that here. Don't host parties. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely not. I mean, yeah, it is. It's crazy. I've, I've sometimes can't even remember what day it is i'm sure that's happened has that happened with you and i I know you have two uh daughters in school i'm sure that's been crazy you know with you know them having to stay home and do school like online learning it's it's got to be crazy right well we've actually my girls have been home the last day they went to school was march 12th so today is now april 13th um they are currently on spring break because you know they haven't been to school in a month um, but yeah, not currently on spring break, but it's been a whole new avenue for us. You know, Mrs. Lloyd is at home, you know, working off the computer as well. She works in the high school in our town. It's crazy for everybody. Um, but look, if we all want to get back to what we all enjoy, and you know, whether it's the summertime and getting outside, it's this is the only way to get through it. And you know, whether the NFL, whether this is all right or wrong, that in ten days we're going to have the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. You still need something to get you through, and everybody needs a little advice, regardless of whatever you're going through. Obviously, in this pandemic, maybe advice is, is more important now than ever. Yep. So we get to have something. Um, look, you can't have 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 60,000 people in a stadium and arena right now. Mm-hmm. So if we can get something legitimate sports-wise through some sort of teleconferencing or whatever, all this is going to work, I'm pretty sure we'll all take it. Yes. Yes, we certainly will. Uh, it's it's going to be a new format this year. You know, they're not doing it in Vegas. Everyone's going to be doing teleconference. Roger Goodell is going to be announcing picks from the, you know his basement at home. I mean, it, trades are I think are going to. It's going to be a very wonky process. It's going to be very weird. Uh, you know, cameras are going to be in a lot of these prospects' homes, and and that's one of the things too. You know, th- there have been no prospect visits. Uh, I think Miami tried to squeeze in a couple, and then uh, the NFL said uh, put the kibosh on that. Pro, uh, pro days have been you know were canceled across you know the college football landscape. So so teams this year don't have that knowledge, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they won't second guess themselves. They can just look at the tape. And figure it out. Like, is this a good guy? And then, of course, there's always the character issues and stuff. But what, what do you think some of those challenges present to teams, and how is that going to affect the draft differently this year than in previous years? I think one of the things that's probably going to be different is I think this is going to be a rough draft process for any small schooler. Um, normally, you know, the small schools, what do they do? They usually have their pro days earlier. 
somebody puts together a big workout, guess what? Now teams are scrambling. Let's get every drop of tape on this guy. He put together a great, great, phenomenal workout. Let's dig deeper. Let's see what the tape says. Um, you didn't get those type of pro days. You didn't get these smaller school kids who have phenomenal workout numbers. We don't really have evidence of that. Um, now you have some of these guys who ignored the combine. And maybe that wasn't the worst thing in the world. We talked about this at the combine. Obviously, you were going to be a guinea pig this year at the combine. Mm-hmm. So guys who chose to pass on it, well, yeah, it kind of did come back to, you know, essentially bite him in the can because then there were no numbers. And now we're getting these, you know, faux pro days. And all. Well, it seems like everybody's running a 4-2-9 or a 4-3-1. It's really hard to put some stock into that, Nathan. Yep. So it's going to be difficult, Matt. It's going to come down to, I think, you know, now, say you're looking at a guy who may be 22, 23 years old, played four years at a big school, versus a kid who's maybe 21 from a smaller school. You don't have much on. So you're going to have to base it on what is the safer avenue of what you got at your disposal. Well, I've got four years of tape on this kid. I'm pretty sure at worst he could be a reserve linebacker for me. And that type of thing. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting how every front office handles this. And the thing is, is you know, Gambling, you know, mm-hmm. where are you going to roll the dice here? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people. I'm going through this with the Cleveland Browns. Everybody's like, "Oh, well, you know, I hear Dane Brugler say that Jedrick Wills is the top tackle in the class." Okay, that's great. The Browns need a left tackle. Jedrick Wills has never played left tackle in his life, mm-hmm. so it's not like you had him in for a private workout and you got to see his footwork on that side. Of the, you know, on that side, doing things from the left tackle side. I think a lot of teams are going to just go with a much more safer approach. I'm going to go with the much more polished guy here. Or, you know what, it's a really good offensive tackle class. It's a really good wide receiver class. The linebacker class looks pretty good. Let's just take some of these guys, and then when we get back again at this next year and we're able to do the full process, then we can dabble around. But for now, maybe let's just dip into what the strength of this draft class is. You know, they get, they thankfully got the combine in, and as you mentioned, some guys chose not to do it, which may you know turn back to you know come up to bite them. How much do you think the boards have changed? How much do you think rankings have changed between the end of the combine and today? I can't imagine there's a whole lot that has changed because of the the, the lack of pro days and you know meeting with guys. You know them coming into your building, hosting private workouts. But as you said, maybe it has changed because you want to go with the safer, uh, the safer option versus maybe try and hit that wild card or that you know that surprise pick. How much do you think, think that has changed the boards? Uh, I don't know if boards would have changed a ton since then. Um, look, there may be some guys that you had maybe on equal footing, and maybe you've got the chance to do these. You know, um, obviously, you know these FaceTime interviews where you have to spend an hour with them. And you look at, you know, with any interview process, there's always a kid or two who's going to stone you, and you're going to think, wow, all right, you know what? There were some question marks about him. He came off really well, and this is in person. So imagine what they can be pulling a FaceTime interview. Um, but you're usually going to know the genuine. Um, guys with red flags, I'd say, yeah, it's probably going to be difficult for them. Um, and the other thing is, is, you know, what's been going on now? So obviously it's not like anybody's being drug tested or any of these things. So it's really hard to gauge where these kids who have some question marks, what they're doing with their idle time. Um, you know, we were just talking, you know, we're talking about Zach Browski. Some of these kids just don't get it. Some people mm-hmm. just don't get it. You show me the kid hunkered down in his studio apartment. 
um, just waiting and waiting for the chance he gets to leave to go to his new NFL city. And, you know, maybe the food stacking up in the background. You know, that's normalcy right now, you know? I mean, <laughs> that's normalcy for everybody right now. Oh, maybe yep. we've got to clean our counters off, you know, because we've been eating too much. Yep. Just show, you know, you want to see the kids who are just, you know, thankful for the opportunity and maybe even interviewing them through, you know, something like this, you know, this pandemic type of thing with these kids, 21, 22 year old, 22 years old, and actually just talking about the world right now. They're talking about life right now. And you might be able to gauge whether or not you can trust this kid for the length of a first contract, five years of your first rounder. You might be able to gain a lot more perspective on what type of young man you're investing in, mm-hmm. just asking the questions about what we're all going through right now. That's a fantastic point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is affecting everyone. This is at the that human level here. Yeah, you, you're right. You might be able to gain gain a little more perspective from some guys on that. So, with that being said. Uh, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow is going to go number one, whether that means Cincinnati takes him or Miami gives them four first-round picks or three first-round picks to trade up for him. It seems like Chase Young is going to be the number two guy. But staying with the quarterbacks here, you have Tua. We know about him. Justin Herbert, a lot of people like Jordan Love. Where then do we go in terms of the you know the the Eason's, uh, the the Fromms, those other guys? Where where do you where do you see those guys going? No, it's it's going to be difficult with the quarterbacks because I think the problem and the issue you have with the quarterbacks is everybody knows what Cincinnati is going to do at one. So you're going to have Joe Burrow go one overall. Then you get to the other. I mean, two. And look, it's great that they put out some video of that workout, but that workout didn't really show you much. He wasn't really moving around much. So you want to gamble on Tua, and this is the thing, look, even if you're Miami, you can maybe take that gamble, but all the draft ammunition you have this year, with all the draft ammunition you have next year, if it doesn't work out, you maybe have essentially a possibility to cover yourself. Now you look at the Chargers. If they get in a position where they really love Tua, they like the player he is. Um, With the defense they have in place, um, they have some pieces on offense, you draft to it, and guess what? The hit doesn't hold up, or the injuries don't hold up. That's it. This was the move you made, and if he doesn't pan out, it's going to be a new front office making the next selection. Um, obviously, the Colts were very obviously you know penciled in for a quarterback. Uh, they took care of it with Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think you know I think Herbert should go to either Miami or should go to the Chargers. I think there's enough there with the Chargers. He can throw some deep balls. But if you're Miami, is it a question of, and you think about this a little with the way the Browns did it a couple of years ago, is get more pieces in place and then go looking for your quarterback. They had all the ammunition in the world. So the question is, you know, they had some good wide receiver play last year. They need a running back. need to finish an offensive line. If you're Miami with three picks on the first round, you just say, you know what, give me the three top players wherever. Offensive line, defensive line, somebody in the secondary so, you know, as good as they played last year, as tough as they played last year, get them more solid players, and then maybe a year from now say, you know, all right, which quarterback exactly fits what we do, whether it's a Lawrence, whether it's a field. Mm-hmm. It's that type of thing. It's going to be really hard with the quarterbacks here because the thing is, is you're going to make some decisions here, and quarterback decisions are the one that will make or break a front office. If yep. it doesn't work out, guess what? You don't get to go get a second one. That is not the way it works out for almost every team in the league. Maybe Miami, those guys will get a second chance. But that's going to be the most difficult one because you're making career-altering decisions and you have every drop of information at hand at the most important position. 
that's going to be the toughest part. What? Are, who are some of these other of the other quarterbacks that we could see in middle rounds that teams are going to look at as the as backups? I saw that uh, I'm blanking on the name. I think is it Mason Fine, the quarterback from North Texas, um, that uh, he's had. Uh, like a visit or something with the, the the Saints that maybe they're in the market for him. So uh, some of these other smaller quarterbacks or, you know, who are some of the quarterbacks that we can expect to go in the middle rounds? Um, I think one of the bigger ones you're going to expect is Jacob Eason from Washington. It's the bill. Um, if you're not in, if you're not going to be able to get Herbert in that top 10, you look at Jacob Eason. Obviously he doesn't have the experience going this shorter underneath routes, which he's going to need to develop. But a guy like him, and you look at places like Tampa Bay, where it may only be a one-year deal with Tom Brady. Obviously, New Orleans, Drew Brees, um, whatever is going to go on in New England. Um, but it's really kind of difficult, because, I mean, you're still talking about Jameis Winston is unemployed. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton is unemployed. Some of these, you, you got to think one of these names, if not both of them, are going to be somewhere by the time we sit down next week. And until they dance, until they are, it gets kind of tough to do this because you still have two major quarterback dominoes and if these guys both go somewhere I mean the quarterback landing spots are going to dry up obviously look at the Raiders you know we have two first rounders it it never seems like this groomed administration is in love with Derek Carr wide receiver this is arguably maybe the the deepest that the group has ever been that we've seen in the NFL draft you're going to get a guy in round four that's maybe has first or second round talent. You could get them in the fifth and sixth round that have mid, you know, like second and third round talent. It just seems like this is going to be a fantastic, that you're going to get some great value anywhere you go and whenever you pick a wide receiver in this draft. And here's going to be the more interesting part. You know, obviously you're going to have that run of Ruggs, Judy, CeeDee Lamb in the early teens. The question is going to be when do the other wide receivers start to fall? Like, you know, with any run at a position, do you want to be the team that starts the run? You have Denzel Mims. You have Michael Pittman. You have so many other guys in this class. When does the run start? How many go in round one? If five, six go in round one, then yeah, it's going to be a quick, you know, a quick run. You're going to get a lot early. Or is everybody in this team, you know what? There's lots of them. There's tons of them. There's not a lot of defensive tackles in this class. I'd rather the fourth best defensive tackle and instead of the sixth or seventh best overall wide receiver. I'm comfortable with the 10th or 11th wide receiver. So it's going to be really fun to watch that wide receiver play, uh, position play out. And I'm still, I, you know, I, we've talked about Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. Yep. Upon mm-hmm. Nathan, and you know that. If you look at him around like pick 100 or, you know, maybe even getting him a little bit lower than that, a guy like that with his capability – his statistical production, whether or not you know true testing numbers or not, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, and there's very little separation with a lot of these guys in terms of the overall talent. Like they may bring something different that other guys don't, but the there's just not a whole lot separating these guys, right? They have their flavors up top. CD Lamb is more of a physical after the catch type of guy. Judy is extremely smooth in everything he does. Everybody wants that Tyreek Hill type bang to their offense mm-hmm. that you get with the speed of a rugs. So, yeah, I mean, every one of them's got their own different calling card. And then there's a Denzel Mims, who's just like a really, really great mixture of everything. Great athlete, great tape, solid route runner. He even likes to block a little bit. 
if every one of these guys kind of got like their own different resume, and I think a lot of teams would be happy with any of them. Um, it's just that they're all just a little bit different as far as whether it's size or whether it's size to speed ratio or whether it's over statistical production. It's just a fantastic group. It really, really is. Running backs, you have J.K. Dobbins out at Ohio State and Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. I would say Taylor's the best running back in the group, but are teams going to be scared by how you know how much production he had or how many carries, how many hits he took in college? Where do you see Taylor going? And then overall, what do you what are your thoughts on the running back class? Uh, I think the running back class. I think it's a little bit top heavy, and then maybe if you have like some guys that you like day three or later. Um, whether it's a Cam Akers, whether it's a DeAndre Swift, whether it's a J.K. Dobbins, or whether it's Jonathan Taylor like yourself and anybody I'm missing, obviously. I apologize there at the top. You see the balance. Um, you see these guys are just more than just straight guys running the hole. They're able to get more involved in the passing game. Maybe Taylor's a little bit behind on these other guys, but they fit into what the modern nuances of the NFL offense are. You know, They don't want to tell when you come out of the field. Yes, we may run the ball. Yes, we may throw the ball. Yes, the running back may be a factor in the passing game. And I think all of these guys bring it to you. Whether or not, how many go round one, the question would be how much you like Swift. Um, you think of him, he's only 5'8", 220, so he may be a little bit undersized. I am a big J.K. Dobbins fan. I think he's probably the best in this class. It's not that I don't have a problem with Taylor. I love him. Taylor as well. Obviously, a Jersey guy like myself. I just think <laughs> J.K. Dobbins and everything he's done the last couple of years with his balance and, you know, the weight proportion of size. He's physically built. He's extremely well built. I think J.K. Dowd is topping this class. He'll probably go round one. My guess would be with that third first-round pick to the Miami Dolphins. But it's a good group, but it's going to see like four or five, maybe six go in that top 75 to top 100. And then it'll be day three flavors that you like, whether it's an Anthony McFarland from Maryland or guys like that. Okay. Uh, the offensive line, it seems like we got a lot of guys who can, you know, a lot of top guys in there. You know, uh, Mackay Becton from Louisville. We've talked about him a bunch. Uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Tristan Wirfs from Iowa has really, really helped himself. And then you have other guys like, uh, you know, Caesar uh, Ruiz from Michigan, maybe probably a center. Uh, you have some decent guards in there, but overall, this offensive line class, apart from the, these first few tackles, it, it really drops off after that, don't you think? I, see, the tackle class is, is weird. I, I think it's legitimately like 10, 11, 12 deep. You look at the names we know as far as the top four, whether it's Mackay Beckton, whether it's Wills, whether it's Worst, whether it's Andrew Thomas. Yep. So they are scored now. Now you get to that lower part of round one, Ezra Cleveland from Boise. Um, Jackson from USC, Josh Jones from Houston. So I give you seven guys right there, some names that have gotten popular over the process. Matthew Perk from Connecticut, uh, Barchi from uh, Minnesota in the Division Three school out there. Yep. But then you get two names like Lucas Niang and Prince Tanwinogu, guys that we saw nothing with from these draft process as far as numbers or testing due to injuries. That puts you nine right there. Then you throw in Jack Driscoll, from Auburn, it's 10 right there without even trying at the offensive tackle position. That's how deep that group is. And would you, Interior, well, I was just going to say, would you like to see Ezra Cleveland in a Cleveland Browns uniform? That would be pretty cool, I think. I believe he is a legitimate trade back option. I think the Browns have high interest in Tristan Wirfs or Andrew Thomas at 10. If neither were available at 10, 
I think the Browns, and I've spoken with people who have confirmed, yes, the Browns have a ton of interest in Ezra Cleveland. Any chance they had an opportunity to meet with him, whether it was the combine or any other avenue, they have spent as much time with Ezra Cleveland as they have as possible. That being said, they've also spoken with almost every offensive tackle with a pulse to this point. So it gets to <laughs> let you know that their first selection is going to be a tackle, and they've done their due diligence and spoken to a ton of these guys. They've all tested well athletically. That's where people are getting confused. Yes, worse. Yes, Ezra Cleveland tested like all-world athletes. But none of these other guys tested like slouches. They tested like solid, solid athletes. They're just getting a little bit overshadowed by a couple of guys who put up some phenomenal numbers. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You were continuing a, a thought regarding the offensive line class. Well, like I told you, I mean, the group is deep, the group is steady. Interior, not as much. The center is always a fluky bit, but then again, how many homes are there for centers in the NFL? Ruiz, a guy that you brought up from Michigan, bowler, tough. He's kind of got that wrestler stance where he knows how to stay low. Uh, obviously, the center from Washington, um, he's not going to wow you in any single way whatsoever, but he's tough, and he's, you know, he's lean and mean, he'll hold his, mo- hold his own in the interior. Certainly more, like, if you were going to clarify this draft class of the offensive line position, you're going to say this is going to be one of the deepest offensive tackle classes in quite a while. What do you make of the defensive line, switching sides of the ball here, what do you make of the defensive line overall? Is it, it last year Was it last year when we had all that, that deep run and it was just like, wow, guys are going off the board left and right? Clemson had their whole entire defensive line, I think, yep. drafted. Uh, this year, certainly not as deep, probably not as strong. But, uh, I mean, you have Chase Young there. He's going to be a top two. He's very likely to go to Washington. What about the rest of the guys, though, on the, the edge rushers and then the defensive tackles overall? How do you like this? Uh, these groups? I, 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 don't think, I don't think either one is necessarily up to par as in years past. Um, the edge class, obviously you have you know, the couple names for round one. Obviously, you know, you have Chase Young. You have Chase Young out of LSU. It, it's not... A wow, a wow group as far as pass rushers. Every now and then, the well kind of runs dry. It seems it's that way this year for the edge rusher position. I also think that's really kind of the case for the D tackle position. Everybody always loves the big, banging dudes in the middle of the defensive line. This year, if you want quality, you're probably going to have to get it within the first three rounds. It's not a deep group. Um, you have Ken Law, you have Derek Brown up top, both fantastic prospects in their own right. Obviously, Ken Law. You know, have some questions as far as injury. Brown put together a phenomenal fight a year at Auburn. And then, you know, names in the second round, the kids out of Texas, whether it's Blacklock, whether it's Matabique. Good players, you know, you don't know how high the threshold is and what they can achieve. But it is not the deepest group anywhere on this defensive line. And that's one of the things that we're trying to tell our Browns listeners is, is, you know, they've added an edge player, they added the defensive tackle. That's usually indicative of what maybe the draft is showing. And you see teams trying to pursue these guys, whether they're eight-year, nine-year veterans, whether it's inside or outside of the defensive line. It lets you know that they don't feel these classes deep at either one of these spots on the defensive line. So try to shore up some holes before you get to that situation where you're trying to chase guys in the draft that you don't have you know, the utmost confidence in being successful as players. One question I meant to ask you earlier on um... – you know, there isn't likely to be off-season programs. We don't even know if there's going to be an NFL season, quite frankly. The NFL is continuing to go on like like we they expect a full season, full 16 games. 
But you know, with with no offseason programs or maybe just a you know short training camp, whatever that case may be, what position gets hurt the most amongst the rookies? I would imagine it's the offensive line. Is that what you're thinking too, or is there a different position that you think gets more um, heavily affected? I think the line play is a good one because obviously you know the experience, and regardless of where you went to school, whether you know you're an SEC kid. Or you're a kid coming from one of the Dakotas, Nathan, close to your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be hard to, you know, especially when you're just training. And a lot of this is mirror training. And a lot of workouts you're doing are on your own. Yep. It's going to be hard to equate what's going to be NFL speed. I think the also the most difficult part is it's probably going to be at this deep wide receiver position. You're just not going to be ready to the speed of the NFL offenses, uh, the velocity of the balls that are coming. You're going to have to learn new quarterbacks. You're going to have to learn routes. Look, if you're coming in and you're going to be the third wide receiver where your entire life you've been the number one wide receiver, you're going to be running routes that you're not you know, essentially comfortable with mm-hmm. or used to. So it's going to be a learning pride. It's going to be a learning curve. And it's not like you can go out and replicate these things by yourself. You, know, you can do mirror drills. You can do all that other stuff as alignment that may help. But it's really, really hard to replicate a passing game as a wide receiver when you're not allowed to work out with anybody. Yes, yeah. Again, unless you're Dak Prescott and Des Bryant. But we we won't uh, continue to harp on them. Uh, linebacker group, I mean, it, it begins with Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Uh, but then if, if you look, it, you kind of get, you know, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. It's weird that Oklahoma defensive player, really good. That that does, that just doesn't seem to, to go together. Patrick Queen from LSU is very uh, good. He's an intriguing Prospect, how do you rate the linebacker class overall, and uh, you know how how deep is this? Where can you get a lot of good value in the later rounds? I'll tell you one thing for me is you know you know linebackers look they're they're always productive in college they always have the numbers. The one thing I remember we talked about this leading up to the combine was well how good are these kids athletically? Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing that was the positional group for me that really surprised everybody in Indy. These linebackers all ran well. They all put up good workouts. Well, there was a Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State. Obviously, you know, he's got a couple of awards as far as academics and, you know, a situation with a teammate. Um, Logan Wilson out of, my, uh, out of Wyoming, 416 career tackles. Now, you pair that with, you know, for me, Browns-wise, he had a better combine than Joe Schobert, had a little bit taller, had a little bit more weight, and true familiarity with playing a true linebacker position. Troy Dye from Oregon, played four years at Oregon. He tested really, really well. Um, you want to get a little bit later in the draft. Avion Taylor from Colorado. Here's a guy that never played football until he got to the University of Colorado. He was such a good athlete. They recruited him to try and play some football, and he's still learning on the fly. The linebacker group's got depth. It really does. It's got depth in a day three. And whether or not how the importance of the position in this league, mm-hmm. I think it's waning some. You know, some teams are just going to say, "Look, we're going to put all our assets into coverage and." You know, rushing the passer. Linebacker will figure it out, a la the Chiefs who just won the Super Bowl. Yep. You look at it in that approach, and unless the guy is really the golden goose, and whether it's a, you know, whether it is an Isaiah Simmons or a Queen or a Murray, who all three should probably go top 40 ish, you know, maybe if not a little bit higher on the other two, it turned out to be a really, really good group. You know, uh, another one, Jacob Phillips, uh, Queen's teammate at LSU. He was a guy I was actually higher on than Patrick Queen. Queen maybe tested as a better athlete, but Jacob Phillips still has the better tape. 
it's a really solid group in the linebacker position. Do you think we're going to kind of see more hybrid type deals where you know linebackers can play uh, you know defensive end? They already blitz enough. Do you do you foresee maybe more of those hybrid type players coming in in future drafts? I think what you're going to see is more of these, whether it's a Jeremy Chin or a Tyler Duggar or even Grant Delpit, where these guys are six one and change, almost six two. 215, closer to 220 pounds. So guess what? I'm sacrificing, what, maybe 10 pounds in weight mm-hmm. for a guy who's maybe two-tenths of a second faster, and I can play them closer to the line of scrimmage and probably have more success. They tackle yep. as well as the linebackers. I, I think, you know, look, if you were a really damn good linebacker, it's not going to matter. There's still going to be teams that love you. But there's going to be teams that are going to look at this and you know, a la Jabril Peppers, his whole career at Michigan, and what the Browns originally tried to do with him, playing him as an over-the-top free safety, it didn't work out. It's where he really found success. When you put him back in that six to seven yards off the line of scrimmage, and it didn't matter if the guard was pulling. He was just so much faster. He was going to beat him to the spot. The key to defense and the way the NFL is going is speed in that back seven. It doesn't matter whether they wear a 50 jersey. It doesn't matter if they wear a 20 jersey. If they are fast and they can beat people on angles, that's going to win, and that's usually going to make the play on defense. That's going to make it to the point where, guess what? He didn't get the final two yards. Mm-hmm. They're punting, and I get my offense back on the field. Yep. Great point there. Uh, finally, uh, the secondary then, cornerbacks and safeties. Uh, there are a lot of intriguing safety prospects. I mean, we talked about like the Antoine Winfield Juniors, uh, the the Davis, the, the guy from Cal. Uh, he's a certainly a, a, a mystery man. Uh, what do you think of the safety class and then the cornerback class overall? You know, you have Okuda from Ohio State's going to go high very early. Uh, what do you make of the secondary class overall? Uh, I, I think I think I like the cornerback class better just because I think I like it where its depth goes. I mean, obviously some of the names you met, mentioned with Okuda, and then obviously C.J. Henderson as well out of Florida. Yep. Um, you know, Diggs out of Alabama. Obviously, Stephon Diggs, his little brother. Mm-hmm. You have a nice blend of the cornerback position, and like we were just saying earlier, you want that mix and match, and you know. We used to think a couple of years ago when teams drafted a third cornerback high, like, wow, that's a little bit weird, it's a little bit crazy. And then you look at it, and you look at the science of it, wait a minute, they're playing 60 to 65% of the snaps. They're a starter. You know, not your, you know, not your Mike linebacker, your nickel cornerback's the starter. So now, guess what? If I got these many defensive backs playing and somebody gets injured, I'm going to want another good defensive back to put on the field. So then you get into this cornerback class. You know, Meek Robinson, we've talked about him throughout the process. Five foot eight at Louisiana Tech. He plays like he's six foot two. He plays like he's the biggest dude on the field. There's footage of him jawing with a six five wide receiver from Texas. Now here's the kid, the little guy from La Tech, you know, jawing with the wide receiver from Texas and let them know basically how he's eating his lunch. And he yep. continued to do it, snap in, snap out. You get to the safety group. I don't know if there's a round one safety. I I I just don't know if I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the guys that tested really well were even with the Jeremy Chin. You know, obviously Steve Atwater's nephew. That's great and all, but you still only played at Southern Illinois. So how are we going to equate this? You taking the jump now? Basically, you know, we said this for years. If you're not Power Five, now you're taking not one jump. You're taking two going to the NFL. So how quickly are you going to be able to adapt? How quickly are you going to be able to react to everything that's going around you? It, that, that's always a tough one. 
for me, I don't know if any safety is going to go round one. I, I, I don't know if I'd be comfortable even taking round one. But mm-hmm. once you get into that, now here we are, first night of day two, I need the starting safety. Here it is. Everybody's available now. They're a lot more attractive when you're talking picks 33 through you know 55 as opposed to they are maybe 15 through 32. And again, you don't want to reach in that first round. You're going to probably take the safer option, but... You know the depth could be there in in early in day two, and uh, yeah, it, it's I'm just I'm so fascinated by how this is going to to happen. Whether you're you know how ESPN presents it and how these teams you know come up with their draft strategy, how it differs from previous. It's going to be a fascinating journey. It's going to be three days. We can take our minds off of a lot of things. Uh, any anything else that maybe we didn't get to that you that you want to mention regarding this class overall, or just your general level of intrigue or interest? I honestly, I, like you, I'm truly fascinated with how this is all going to go down. Um, you know, for me, look, I come to Browns. You know, my front mm-hmm. office is relatively young. To say Zoom or teleconference, all this type of stuff, that's not too far in there. I mean, but you're talking about some front offices. You know, could you imagine trying to explain Zoom to Dave Gettleman? <laughs> this, this draft, but this and, and this pick, mm-hmm. this pick is going to be his livelihood. Mm-hmm. He went with Saquon Barkley. Yep. He went with Daniel Jones. Um, if this, if the Giants are drafting top ten again in 2021, most likely Dave Gettleman is not making this pick. Yeah. So he, are these guys going to? Are, are folks going to get flustered? Mm-hmm. Nervous with the technology. I mean, because like I think it's like you know, my mom can't even text. She can't text. So you know, and she's the age of some of these people who are going to be making some of these key decisions. Yep. And not, and you're not trying to take them from. You're trying to take. You're not trying to take them from 2015 to 2020. You're trying to take them from like 1993 to 2020, and you're trying to teach them with an absolute large amount of technology, really quick. And then there's the stupidity things of it, Nathan. Mm-hmm. They're all locked home with their families. Yeah. You know, like, how do you work bandwidth and things of it? You know, if everybody's on their phone, uh, hey, did you get the hell off the phone? I'm trying <laughs> to make a first round selection here. You know, and because it's not like you tell everybody, hey, here's a couple hundred bucks. Everybody go out, have a nice dinner. Yep. Let me do what I got because nobody can go anywhere. Right. There's just the minutia of it and the craziness of it. And I love the fact that they're going to try and do all these interviews and keep all these players involved. But like that is so much more scheduled, mm-hmm. and it goes like months into rotation to do this. You know, hey, Agent Smith, you know, you have three clients that should go top 45. Here's what we want to do. You've got one at the draft. You're going to have two at remote location. We want to set all this up. But there's going to be nobody there to help these prospects either. Right. What if something goes wrong? It's it's got the the opportunity to be a great thing of just drama you know follies yeah. but also follies yeah. remember the old days like when movies like his last five minutes they'd show you like all the you know the, the, the screw ups yes yep. yep there's a chance here for a ton a ton of screw ups so as much as we're all going to enjoy this for the player selection of it it could be the monotony of the actual trying to cover this thing yep I would hope that people watching the draft though wouldn't you know won't be so critical of ESPN because they're having to do that again. This is something that we've never seen. So the the all of the things that go into all the decisions that 
have to be made and all of these different cameras and uh you know the, this technology and stuff it's it's going to be crazy so i would hope you know that yes we we hopefully will have a few laughs along the way and hopefully you know the guys you know like the trey wingos on the set will laugh as well and hopefully fans can just kind of enjoy it at home and just hope that uh, technology doesn't screw you over in a pick that oh i wanted to take uh you know i don't know say uh, okuda at three if you're if you're the lions and then all of a sudden you you accidentally uh, get AJ Terrell from Clemson, which isn't terrible, but I mean it's not it's not Okuda, so it, that's going to be funny as well. I did see that I think like Tom Telesco says that he's going to have his boys maybe one help with a with the trade uh, phone line and two put the other one put uh, players on the board, and then I think Thomas Dimitrov, the the Falcons GM, has his own like IT guy that's going to just be down in. A basement basement and if anything goes wrong he's going to be there like that but he's just going to watch the draft on a hundred inch uh tv screen it's it's so weird it's so weird oh it certainly is and even like what you said earlier you know we're talking about roger goodell's going to be announcing picks from his basement mm-hmm. you know like i mean what's he gonna be wearing like a t-shirt and pajama pants that's all <laughs> you must have been wearing now for about a month um it's just you know the absurdity of it and, you know, in Atlanta, look, Atlanta's got enough problems. They screwed up their new uniforms. They better draft well. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, the Browns, good good on them for uh, all pro. All Is it all proceeds or just a percentage of the proceeds from their New Jersey sales will go towards first responders? So that's great. There, I believe it's a significant part. And, and that's one part where that, the Haslam's and whatever you can say about them as far as not being a winning you know, ownership or front office. They 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 stress community. They stress you know togetherness, and they've been fantastic with it. And look, I you know almost every NFL franchise is. And look, you know, as much as you give them credit for it, part of it, you know, there is a reason. Look, we want you all to survive. Mm-hmm. We want you all to come back. Yep. We want you to buy jerseys. We want you to come in and buy a hot dog for nine bucks. Yep. Um, but you, you've got to do. And the other thing is, you can't be saying, "Oh, we're a billion dollar franchise," and you know. Meanwhile, kids that you know got two meals a day at the school they're no longer allowed to go to are starving. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice to see that you know the you know no ignorance, no malice. Everybody's just stepping up and saying, "Hey, look, let's do what we got to do so we can all get back to doing what we love to do." You didn't? Did you see the Colts' new uniforms? I don't. I don't know how much I like them. Well, the thing I don't understand is when did you like anybody ever like think of the Colts in like this synonymous block C? Yeah. Like, it's the horseshoe. Yeah. It's, you know, the horseshoe is what drives me to the Colts. I don't think of the Colts and just think block royal blue C. You know, just so, yeah, that was turn that one, horseshoe. That, turn that horseshoe and make it a C. That's what it would be better as. I mean, yeah, I mean, if that was their intention and maybe somebody you know, showed the picture the wrong way, you think of the Colts and you think of the horseshoe. Nobody thinks of a C. A capital letter block C. Nope, never. Anything's better than the Rams. Anything's better than the Rams. Uh, last question here, and I appreciate the time as always, uh, and look forward to talking with you next week. Can do a mock draft. Um, I have seen some things. I think CBS had a mock draft today, and they had Odell Beckham Jr. getting traded to the Vikings. Um, what are you hearing about Odell Beckham's uh, status in Cleveland? Do you think that is something to watch for on draft night? I don't think any of it. Um, they'd have to be blown away. Minnesota has two first-round picks if they want to get a wide receiver at a much cheaper number where yep. they do not have a lot of cap space Minnesota. Um, they can get one. Um, Odell's not going anywhere. Odell's content. I think the problem was last year, everybody was so in and was so excited, and they all believed the hype, 
And then about six to seven weeks into the season, they realized they had a head coach who was in way over his head. The players got frustrated. He was unable to adjust on the fly during games. I'm not worried about this offense. I love the way they put the Browns together. Mm-hmm. You know, to go out and say you get – think about the Cleveland Browns and say they got the top two offensive free agent targets, and they got them within an hour. Yes. You know, they put the Hooper deal together. Boom. Not, not, no quicker were they done with that. And they got Jack Conklin in. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic job. And to even get it done like that with a brand-new front office, and keep in mind it's a brand-new general manager, yep. and it's going to be a brand-new head coach, it was really impressive what they were able to do. The Hooper was the absolute slam dunk need. There's nobody, there was nobody else like it in the free agent market. Mm-hmm. There's not a true number one blocking, receiving tight end in this draft class. Yep. And then to be able to pair with Conklin, they did a really nice job to start. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're going to handle this draft process. I agree. They they really made a splash, and hopefully that translates to more winning this year for the Browns and uh, Jeff I appreciate the time as always and I look forward to talking with you with you next week and this, hey the draft is here it's it's great at least it gives us some sports to talk about in an otherwise uh, uh, sportsless society no that is definitely true Nathan to you your wife little boy everything I wish you guys all the best you too I hope the family's all well uh, we're doing the best we can yep alright stay safe stay well and looking forward to talking with you next week thanks Jeff Jeff Lloyd, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. I say it every time. I sound like a broken record. Is there anyone better, more, just... He's so energetic. He knows so much. He's so great. I love talking with Jeff. Uh, great stuff there. You can find this podcast. Hey, we have a podcast this week. Yeah, you can find this podcast available on... Uh, on the podcast.com you can follow me on twitter at andy stacken uh you can find me on facebook nathan stacken we'll have a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week um yeah so uh we'll talk a little bit more about some things that have happened in sports some things that happened we'll see if travis krenz maybe wants to jump on for a few minutes here but next week we we got shafted by no march madness and we weren't able to do the bracket show, and that that sucked. Uh, obviously, though, it, it it was for the right reasons, and it needed to be done, given what uh, the coronavirus, the COVID nineteen, has done in our country. But uh, we have a great we have a great podcast for you next week. We have the mock draft. We'll have Jeff's mock draft. My mock draft, Travis, Travis's mock draft, we'll, we'll have it all for you. It's going to be a great podcast. It gives you a lot of energy and um, information headed into Thursday night's draft, which is going to be from Bristol Studio, uh, ESPN Studios in Bristol. It's going to be you know, Roger Goodell's basement and Tom, you know, Andy Reid's basement den and Tom Telesco, uh, his dining room table in California, it's everyone, it's just, we don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be fascinating to see the draft um, in all its spectacular glory next week and give us a little bit of a distraction, some sports to talk about here um, over the next couple of weeks or so. And then the NFL schedule comes out later, and we always like that, so maybe we'll do a podcast for that too. Anyway, uh, we'll see if Travis Crins wants to join us to talk about anything 
that he's been intrigued by. Uh, maybe it's the XFL dissolving, uh, but otherwise we'll have a final few thoughts as we wrap up the the first Sports Block podcast in a month. It feels like it's been longer, but it's only been a month. But a few more thoughts as we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block podcast, now available on podcast.com. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and uh, hey, welcome back, Travis Krenz. It's the first podcast that we've done in a month, and it feels like a year, doesn't it? Feels, yeah, a while. Feels like a while. It wasn't all that long ago. What Tunnel League Tournament was over a month ago. Five weeks? That day, and then two days later, that was the end of it. So we were like, the Summer League Tournament was... Like two days later, it may not have ended. Yeah, yep. And then we did a, a a podcast, you know, that following Monday, which was supposed to be the bracket breakdown, uh, and obviously that didn't happen. So we just kind of reacted to what was all going on and the corona. And it's the coronavirus is certainly continuing to take a toll, not only within the sports world, but certainly the the economy, the global economy, the health. Uh, the health industry. I mean, it's it's very very rough. It's very very scary. Um, you know, just new information comes at different times, and um, you know what? Uh, thank goodness for people like Dr. Fauci. But um, you know, so what's new in the sports world? Well, we had NFL free agency. Um, the NBA decided to do a 2K8 tournament, which uh, just dumb. Um, if you ask me, and then a horse. I, I guess the 2K8 tournament looks better compared to a horse tournament, don't you think? No, because at least horses, not video games. Okay. It's just basically celebrities or basketball players playing video games. I mean, who the hell wants to watch? I watched you the other night. Honest to Christ, that was probably the most entertaining thing I've seen in a while. Thank you, thank you. Uh, because I knew, I knew you, and I knew uh, what was going on, and I wanted SDSU to win. It was a great game. It was an unbelievable game. Yeah. Unbelievable uh, game for a video game. Yep. Uh, right down to the end. Yep. Uh, so that was fun to watch. And But all these other guys, like, I don't care about NASCAR racing uh, video games, mm-hmm. and I just don't care about that. I mean, there's really nothing to watch, because these old games, they're fine, but I haven't, you know, the Masters, I guess, got... Big rating, like 2.1 million people watched the Masters replay from last year this weekend because Tiger Woods won. Yeah, and that's the only reason why 2 million people watch it is because of Tiger Woods. You wouldn't have gotten that if it was Adam Scott or Trevor Immelman. He's an unbelievable ratings draw, even when you know what's going to happen. So, I mean, there's not, I mean, these old games are cool. I like that they're out there and taping some of them just in case. I just want to go back and see what they look like. You just want to see certain things about them, and you can obviously find them all on YouTube whenever you want to. But there's just, you know, you catch up on some TV shows, mm-hmm. and you got the, the draft coming up next week, which will be nice. You got uh, this Chicago Bulls documentary starting Sunday, so it'll be uh, really the first new things that have been out there mm-hmm. uh, coming up here in the next week. Yes, uh, we'll we will do our mock draft next week. So uh, start studying here. Uh, I just talked with Jeff Lloyd the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Very thorough information. So definitely, uh, you know, people out there need to listen to this podcast because it's a it's very good. He's got great insight on a lot of these guys. And we talked about the 
how new, how different the NFL draft's going to be. I mean, you have, you, I mean, you can't even have people like the personnel in the team facility. Everyone's in their own homes. You can't even all congregate in one home because of social distancing and stuff. So it's going to be so weird for a lot of these old guys, you know, to work the technology and all these phone lines and how trades are going to go down. I think there's, I think something very bad is going to happen. Like a, an incorrect pick is going to happen or a trade was supposed to happen and then some team can't get on the clock. Something, something, hey, something's going to go haywire there. Um, back to the, back to the uh, 2K8. Um, did I say that the NBA players were doing 2K8? I didn't mean that. I did 2K8. But they did their they did their two K game two K twenty or whatever. A uh, couple things about mine here. I only did it because someone said if you reach the national championship, you need to stream this live. I'm like, okay, so that's there's that. Uh, I had to be a little quiet because Noel was sleeping. He sleeps in the room twenty feet away from uh, from there, so I had to be a little quiet. I. I need to work on the the differences in the announcers and every everything. I think more Kevin Harlan kind of showed up than Jim Nance. Uh, I, I wish I had done a few onions and a little lingerie on the deck for Bill Raftery, but uh, I'm glad people enjoyed it. I think the camera angle I needed to get it the far edge of the TV. I didn't realize that it had cut it off, um, but. Unbelievable game. Uh, unfortunately, SDSU lost. It would have been our, uh, my third national championship. But uh, uh, like you said, it was a very close game. Uh, went down to the wire. We had a shot. And uh, uh, apparently uh, it's, it was so good that uh, we'll have to do it again here uh, sooner rather than later. What level, what level do you have uh, it should be at the it's it, at its highest. Put this uh put the season in perspective here. I played the likes of Louisville and Kentucky, Kansas and Kansas State. I went undefeated in the non conference portion. I lost two conference games, one to Oral Roberts on just the, the, ow. the I, I, I did you say wow or ow? How? Oh, I I can't I can't tell you how I lost to Oral Roberts. It's just I, I have no idea how it happened. And then who else did I lose to? Uh, it, so you were an eight seed as in what you made well in the conference tournament. Yep, I would uh, I would have been thirty one and two I think, or thirty and two. Uh, so, I like that it's somewhat realistic of putting a summit league team as an eight seed. Yeah. Uh, one year, uh, a few years back in the dynasty, because this was 2021, mind you, it wasn't the 2020, it was the 2021, so we're a year in the future here. About three years before that, uh, UMKC beat me in the national, or in the, the Summit League championship game, and I got in as an at-large, so, uh. Okay. So. Have you never, have you always, uh, this is your, what, your 13th season, or what? Uh, 13th or 14th. Uh, you made the tournament every year? Yes. Yes, I've won the Summit League regular season every year. And you've won the tournament every year but one? Yep. And you've won two national titles? Yes. And five Final Four appearances. Five? Five, yep. That was a great game. There was one, like, layup that you missed late. I felt like that was, like, the, I think it was an overtime with, like, 
50 seconds to go, there's some putback that didn't go in yep. that would have been fairly significant. Yep, I think uh, Robin Clifton missed that. That was not very good on him. But what they came back with is three. You got a three. You tell it. You tied it up at the end of regulation with the with the damn near buzzer beater there. To, to that was uh, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, I I hope we can provide more thrillers like that down the line right. here, uh, and that it looks better than uh, NBA players playing their game. MLB is doing something with the show, right? You got some MLB players doing it. I think I saw one. Yeah. Did did a Marlin go 0 for four in their game in his games on Sunday? I mean that would make sense because a Marlin losing all their games. I mean that that's just par for the course for that franchise. Yeah, it's like who's who's watching this? Who's watching guys play video games? I saw literally like ten seconds of one of the NBA things, and like the two guys, their faces were in the corner, and they were playing, and they were talking words that I could sometimes understand them, I sometimes couldn't, mm-hmm. and. Like, all right, they're playing a video game. It's like, who could possibly care about this? Who could possibly? <laughs> I, I, I don't like, know, but... Like, oh. Sorry, go ahead. It's, like, it's, it's, it's something to put on TV. It's something new, but it's certainly not good. No, it certainly isn't. Um, NBA, Mark Cuban keeps... Uh, running his trap, uh, I think he needs to just be quiet for a while. Adam Silver has remained relatively, largely silent in the NBA's absence. I mean, they were the first league to postpone the season. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about where they could play games at, or you know, would it be one city? Would you do a tournament in, like, say, Vegas? Well, obviously, that's that can't happen for a while. Do you think the NBA season is going to? happen at all or are we just going to have a canceled season here I'm leaning more towards the canceled season Gavin Newsom California governor he said he doesn't see anything going on this summer with sports I don't see baseball having a uh, as of today I guess I kind of changed my mind I don't see baseball I don't see how they have a season I don't see how basketball has a season I just don't see it say we focus on football and maybe they start on time but I just don't I don't see this ending. This just doesn't end. There's no basketball. Uh, I don't see baseball starting. I mean, they could. They could do any of these ideas. Mm-hmm. Send them to Arizona. Send them to Florida. Do these. I do this. I think this is. I don't think this is as like difficult as it seems. Like, all right, who's on your team? Test them. Quarantine them. Whatever. Send them to wherever they need to get sent to. And play these games. I tell you, I don't, uh, sorry. I, I feel like this is not that difficult. I think it's. If, if, I guess if the testing is available and the, and the testing isn't all that, it's not like hundred percent accurate. So I don't. I don't know if how much public perception or public relation goes into this because, like, Florida has deemed uh, sports essential, which is why WWE could be live from Orlando. Uh, uh, on Monday night, uh, so I don't know if maybe that throws baseball's plans more towards you know they were going to be in Arizona maybe now they go to Florida I I don't know and I, w- I want to get your thoughts on the spring training uh, or the the proposed new idea with these new divisions and stuff here in a moment hockey want they're trying to do everything they can to have a little bit of a regular season and then a uh, a condensed 
a playoff uh, system. They've talked about playing in Grand Forks, North Dakota. They've talked about Manchester, New Hampshire. There's another city out there. I don't. I don't see how the NHL is going to do it either. I think for sure the NHL and NBA just need to cancel the season this year. I just don't know how it's going to happen. And as for baseball, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. But I found just the the sheer uh, these plans and these ideas and these new creative divisions they would have based on spring training locations. I find this particularly fascinating. You know me, I like to, you know, to have little schedule quirks or division quirks and stuff, you know, realignments or whatever. For a shortened season, I would be okay with what one of the ideas that baseball has proposed with these uh, with these uh, spring training divisions. Just keep them the same because, I don't know, you just keep them the same. Like, again, there's no reason to change it. Just keep them the same. But if you, well. Sorry, let's say, uh, again, like my example, you got the Twins in Fort Myers. Yeah. You have the Red Sox in Fort Myers. Okay, let's put the Indians in Fort Myers. Everybody's got their facility. Mm-hmm. Now, every. A lot of teams are going to just have to change facilities. They're like, all right, we want to cluster the teams in certain divisions, certain places. So, all right, uh, the Braves facility now got to become the White Sox or whatever you have to do to make that work. You don't need to change the divisions. You just need to change uh, where these teams are based on. I, and, I, and I understand that. Jeez, um, I, I don't know. I... I, I don't know what the best option is. I like it just for the sheer quirkiness of it. Um, hey, the, at least the the uh, Twins would be able to beat up on the Astros a bunch. Or, I mean, the Orioles, excuse me. Uh, I don't think the Rays are a team that could run away with it. And I certainly think that the, the Twins could handle the Braves. Red Sox seem to be in a rebuilding year. Like, the, the Twins, the Twins division that they would be in is good. There's one division listed here. I think it's the it's the uh, the Cactus League Northwest with the Brewers, the Padres, the Mariners, the Rangers, and the Royals. What an absolute garbage division. The Brewers should run away with this. Maybe the Padres, you know, have that uh, nice season. You know, they're a team that we say is on the come, and we think that uh, they can do some big things. But I mean, that's just an absolute garbage division. Like how, how far are these teams traveling? I don't know. That play they'd play some at Chase Field and in Phoenix, and then at other like various spring training facilities. Like if they're within, you know, if they're within like twenty-five miles or thirty miles of each other, then there's no need to change divisions. Right. I just don't like oh, if the, you know, if the, whoever it is, all the White Sox are out in Arizona, and well, we can't have the White Sox because uh, the Twins are in. Uh, Florida and Kansas City's out in Arizona. Oh, the the mm-hmm. divisions are split spring training wise. Like, well, all right, either do this or get or send the Twins to Arizona. Then all the teams are out in Arizona, and the Twins are the one that's not. Yep, we'll send them out there. Send some Arizona team. They've got four out of five teams in their division of Florida. We'll send them to Florida. You know, it's, 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 but but either way, you have one. Um, 
you're going to have one team that would have to have a crossover game with the Cactus League, and I think that's what they want to avoid is, you know, not having the travel back and forth. That's why you'd have it in one central location. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you know, 16 teams in one state, 14 in the other. So, you know, I have to make some change. Um, minimal travel at this point. So. Mm-hmm. I, we have all teams in one location, which I, which I think is a better idea. Yep. I, I would hope that, you know, I, I saw that uh, New York Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo, who has done an absolute job. If you want to look for a leader in this coronavirus pandemic, Cuomo is your guy. He, what he has done to help navigate New York, and New York's been hit the hardest, and I'm not going to try and, you know, sugar-coated anyway. They've been hit hard. They've been dealt with a lot of deaths, but his leadership has really um, shined in this, and he's got, like, the highest approval rating he's had in seven years as being governor of New York. Uh, He mentioned that he could see sports maybe happening this summer, likely without a crowd, Um, but that 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 could happen. Then you, as you mentioned, Gavin Newsom in California, the governor of California, saying that uh, he doesn't see that happening. I think, honestly, things are gonna things continue to change by the day. That until something actually concrete can happen, and we have an authority say this is what's going on, this is this is what's gonna happen. I all of these are just merely ideas and dreams being floated out there. I Yeah, I don't think like any of them are not to say that they're not serious, but I don't see any of them happening. Right. They, yes, I think they could. With no fans in attendance you can play some games. I just don't see like yeah, go to go up here. We don't have any cases up here. Smooth fall is nuts and mainly because of Smithfield food. Besides that, yep. we're close to zero in this state. They've got literally Two Falls has got, and Minnehaha County, they've got 90% of the active cases. Outside of the, outside of Sioux Falls, we've got like 50 cases, maybe. I, I look. The rest of the state, we've got, no, I'm sure there are people that are sick, but they're not tested, and they're not, uh, you know, they haven't been added to the uh, statistics. We're at 988 now. Okay, that's what I was just going to say. Like, I, yeah. I know you were, guys were close to 900 when I had looked earlier Tuesday yeah. morning. We'll be over a thousand on Wednesday, and oh, well, I mean, thirty percent or so have been recovered. And again, like ninety percent of the active cases that are not recovered are around Sioux Falls. So literally from here to frickin' Montana, it's just yes, you could have have those games here. There's Arnold the facility, mm-hmm. the facilities there, you could. But uh, yeah, go advance folks to play hockey. Go go somewhere to play new games. Certainly, the middle of the country could happen, but maybe not in Sioux Falls right now, like you say, with the, what's going on with Smithfield. Uh, Wyoming has, I think, the fewest number of cases in the country, but it's it's a very, it's not a populated state. So, I don't know what's going on. Send them to Wyoming. Play yeah. a bunch of games at Wyoming. So, Why not? I, right? Why not? Indeed. I So, I don't know what is going to happen here. I'm I'm just, honestly, Krenz, I'm taking it a day at a time. Like, I'm looking... F- I wish that the NFL draft wouldn't be happening in the format that it is, um, but I understand. I have no problem with their format, right? 
you're, you're picking players from college to play for your team. I wish you could tell what the commissioner or whoever you need to tell. We want this guy. This, this is not. You don't need to get a bunch of people together. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. all right. Who got? We, we, we want. We want this guy. You can have 20, 30, 100 people on a video conference. Who we pick? Oh, we want this guy. If he's there, all right, we'll pick this guy. Like the NFL, this is not complicated as far as picking guys. All right, we want this guy. He's there. All right. Here's who we got. All right. Thank you. I think we like overcomplicate things. Like, oh, you know, it's like it's it's picking a player. That's all it is. I just wish they had pushed it back a little bit to maybe if the teams could go in their you know facilities or their draft room, their war rooms and stuff. But I mean, it's still something to look forward to. It's in, it's an event. It always is a it's a popular event. This year, I think it's going to be a popular event more than anything. And hopefully there won't be criticism of it because of the uniqueness of this, you know, the broadcast that's going to be. I mean, you have Lewis Riddick and Mel Kuyper that are going to be broadcasting from their homes. Uh, Trey Wingo is going to be in the studios. It's going to be a collective effort between ESPN and the NFL Network. Because NFL, uh, NFL Film Productions can't exist right now in New Jersey or in California, which is stunning to me. It's just, it's, it's so fascinating. I've been watching... A lot of uh, red zone uh, the last few days. Just to recap the season, it's just fun to look back. Uh, but I'm we're looking forward to it. Hey, Chase Vinatieri might be a New England Patriot here by the time next week rolls around. I mean that's that's cool to think about. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll see. Another what, thing. Yeah. It's like how we're only a month into this, and companies are getting people laid off and. Like ESPN, like says, all their top 100 commentators need to take a pay cut. Which is like, fine. How, ter- That's- how terrible are these companies handling money? It's these billion companies that make billions, multiple billions a year, can't handle a few months of less revenue. It's like how bad are they with money that we can't go? We can't go three months with. Of bringing in money and you make billions a year? Like, how terrible it is everybody with money. They're terrible with it. I mean, you don't have the ad revenue coming in for the likes of, like, ESPN. And, I mean, for Disney in general, they don't have, you know, the money in the theme parks. But I get what you mean. They, they should have a, a large chunk in reserve. Disney. But... Disney makes how many billions a year? They can't go three months without something? <laughs> Like, how, what, what are they doing with their money? What are they doing with their money uh, that they can't go burning more it. than uh, eight weeks? Like, like, it's ridiculous to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like the, uh, they're throwing it in a blender uh, as the it's stupid. one episode in South Park. But, well, I mean, the, so... The, the airlines want to bail out. <laughs> what do you, you know, apparently they just buy all their money. They they buy back their own stocks. Apparently is what they do. It's it's ridiculous. Speaking of buying back uh, stocks or equity, the XFL dissolved last week. Uh, they suspended yeah. operations, and they sound like they don't they that they won't be coming back for a twenty twenty one season. Like they're just done. Uh, but then I I, I think uh, Pro Football Talk had mentioned that. WWE was getting some equity back, so they had a little stake in it, even though uh, Vince McMahon had said, no, we're not kind of combining things. 
I don't know the the exact specifics, but it sounds like they had been able to recoup some money or that they had some equity in it. Now, do you think the like I was very surprised to see that the XFL was just folding up forever because it sounded like they had the the financial backing, unlike the AAF. And I don't think it's a definitive done deal, but it sounds as, as just as close to done as you could possibly be. That that's rather surprising to me, and I don't know. That might be a gross miscalculation then on McMahon's part, if he said he had the financial backing, and then to just fold the league up for good. That's not a good look. Yeah, I mean this this all puts his plan into a mess because. Obviously, he was looking for a TV deal because they give out ridiculous TV deals now for for a lot of things. And if he could have got a $100 million TV deal or $150 million, and it would have been worth it for him and he would have made a lot of money with it. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I would imagine he doesn't anticipate any network, Fox or ESPN or Disney, paying a lot of money anytime soon for any uh, property. Like I said, this goes back to the, they, nobody can handle money. Mm-hmm. So again, he's looking to only stick around this year, but stick around next year as well. Ratings weren't great; they were okay. Um, they continue to fall throughout the weeks. Yep. And he's looking for a big TV deal at the end of this, and I don't think he sees that coming anytime soon. Maybe they come back in a couple of years. Um, but I think we've given this spring football thing a couple of tries now. And it it just doesn't. There's really fly. no reason to do it anymore. I mean, we know what it is. If you want to do it, that's fine. Uh, you know, some guys have gotten signed uh, to the NFL, and there'll always, there'll always be some guys from these leagues that go to the NFL. Yep. But yeah, he, it was basically his own money, all of his own money. He earmarked, you know, fifty million plus, hundred million, whatever he did. And yeah, he did say, "Nope, this is not WWE related. This is all me." And then you look at the uh, figures and the paperwork. I guess he had a hundred percent of Class A ownership, whatever that means. In Class B ownership, he was like at 75, 80%, and WWE was at 80%. So that kind of goes against what he said, mm-hmm. that uh, they would not be involved, and I guess was involved a little bit. So, And, and for some reason, he's still taping shows. or not even taping shows anymore. He's running live shows. So it's, um, I guess the UFC looks the worst in this. Dana White, he continues to want to run shows and not take this seriously, but that's just isn't going to happen. That, he, is the, um, he is the dumbest person in he, all he, of this, right? Yeah, I mean, but by far. He's like, oh, I don't care about this. We want to run shows. We want to rent an island to do this. Well, first off, who's going to fight for you? How's that going to work? All right, you got to bring these fighters in. Can they go back to their countries once the fight's over? Mm-hmm. Or are they just, like, held hostage in this island or in California or Florida or wherever the hell you want to fight. Mm-hmm. Do they go back to their families? Do they go back two weeks to quarantine? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Why are you different than any other league? Why are you different than football or baseball or basketball or hockey? You're not. Shut down. Let it pass. Because the longer we continue to do stupid shit like this, mm-hmm. the longer we're going to have to sit in the fight. Uh, I saw something about uh, Chris Fowler thinking that there's growing momentum for college football to play their season from February to May of 2021. I'd be steadfast against this because this would run right into March Madness. I guess presuming that there is a college basketball season next year. I mean, 
it it really sucks to think but that we're, we're, one, we're a month into this thing and we're already like canceling the rest of the year. Like we're we're oh. halfway through April. I think that, and we're already saying we're done with this, we're done with that. I think so it's all about the vaccine. Maybe. I mean, they say there won't be a vaccine for a year, which I, I I get you'd have to do some clinical testing. And then I hear about rats and stuff running all over like New York City and attacking, you know, the homeless population out there and stuff. And I'm like, well, okay, why can't you just take these rats and, you know, use a, you know, you know, do some clinical tests on them rather than have them eat, you know, homeless people. <laughs> like, let's use them for testing. Yeah, I mean, South Dakota's doing something here with this drug and they, that Trump's been talking about. And oh, the hydrocyclorine or something? Yeah, and Brazil did a test and it didn't work out, so apparently we're going to do it here with Stanford, and we'll see how that goes. But it feels like, you know, if we had somebody who knew what they were doing at the top, uh, they would have taken this more seriously in February, and mm-hmm. we would have been, been a little bit more prepared. And it wouldn't be, I mean, every other country, you know, there's been good results and bad results, but we, by far, are the champs of being the worst at this. And it's no surprise, given who is our leader at the moment. Uh, We we, we, we could not have had a worse situation, could we? A worse thing happened and a worse person in charge. This was a perfect storm. Any other time in history, if this happened, it would be a little better. But this thing had to happen at this time with these idiots calling the shots. What a what a unbelievable! I mean, every year, every month, every day gets worse and worse with this fool for the past five years. Mm-hmm. And like nothing you can say would be uh, ridiculous or impossible. And literally, like the world is shut down. Literally, the country is shut down. Mm-hmm. Like who thought it would come to that? But don't don't um, don't tell Dak Prescott that he's still uh, hosting parties and stuff like a dumb shit. Yeah, don't don't be doing that. It's like and these people, it's like just stay home, stay home. Yeah. Yes. We're asking you to we're asking you to do nothing. We can't even do that. Do nothing we're for asking, a little bit. Do that. And it will help in the long run. It'll get us back to normalcy faster by staying at home and doing nothing. A country that usually does nothing now cannot do nothing. <laughs> we have to be out. We have to be about. We have to do things. Florida's probably been one of the worst examples of incompetent leadership. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, again, it's amazing how it's, they're, they're saying sports the guy, is essential. It was amazing that I had a guy asked me at work a couple of weeks ago. No, it was the uh, list of states, like all the states that issued a stay-at-home order, except for like 10 states, and all their governors were Republican. Mm-hmm. You say, well, those are rural parts of the country, and it's not as bad there, and rural parts are probably going to have a Republican governor. You look at it that way. Then you know, I also said, well, one side believes in facts, <laughs> and, science, and one side doesn't, which is clear. I mean, you got these churches that are still open, and something that's warming my heart at this moment, any story that involves somebody that uh, denies this or doesn't take this seriously or, or goes, uh, there was some pastor guy that in Louis- died. Oh, not the one in Louisiana? Because he could have. I'm sure there's been multiple guys, but guys that have died that uh, held the church service, saying, oh, this ain't going to affect me. There was some lady on Facebook a week or so ago 
and this big post about how this is fake and it's all about to to bring 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 down Trump and all this bullshit. Yep. And the the end of the story was like she died a few weeks later because of this. And for me, that warms my heart to see stupid people. I mean, that how oh, just the best. Nothing is better wow. than that. <laughs> Nothing is better than it. Just isn't. It just isn't. <laughs> Uh, I do have some, uh, H- Hank Steinbrenner, uh, co-owner of the Yankees. He's he's dead. He died at the age of sixty-three from a long-standing health condition. So that's um. Yeah, he was not related to this apparently. So. Yeah. So that uh, that sucks. But I mean, you're right. This is this is just over time. I heard on the Dan Lebetard show that they were talking about how you can see the Hollywood sign from miles and miles away oh. in L.A. and you can't do that normally because of this the amount of smog. And they're talking about in South Beach how the waters are bluer and clearer for the first time in in ages. And why is that? Because no one's there. And, it, and it's in part because of no global warming. Like if this isn't the call that hey, global warming or climate change is it, like it, it's real, folks. And if you know by not doing the stuff we normally do, it's helped the Earth. There's no denying that. That's been a positive from this, and but then things, you know, in a few months when things go back to normal, things are going to go back to normal, and we're going to continue to pollute like crazy. It's like, hey, if we take some drastic steps, look, look at what, look at what happens. This has been going on for like six weeks. Mm-hmm. Look at look at the the improvements. You can literally see the improvements, and you can literally like, see how we can do. What, what we can do positively and what we can do negatively. Um, why, the hell is it, why the hell isn't there a law that says any building that is ever built, a house, a shed, whatever building in this country or whatever, from here on out, why why are there not solar panels on that roof? I don't know. It was, it, and it, it, it should. people talk about you know certain governmental things and health care how do we pay for this and how do we pay to give everybody free college and how do we pay for that well we just came up with the two trillion dollar thing out of thin air and I'm sure they're going to pass another trillion dollar thing to give people money mm-hmm. where does that come from yep. like if we, if, we, if we really want to do something we can we just choose not to which is probably worse Yep. we, we know how to fix this but we don't want to so uh, Kelsey and I watched Tiger King, the first episode. We or, we're only one episode in. We're hoping. Just one I, I know. Well, we have a a, a two year old that doesn't refuses to sleep. Uh, so he pulls after his father. He's very active. So our time to actually be able to sit down when we're not exhausted or doing stuff is limited. But let me tell you this: just for one episode. I think, well, I think Carol Baskin is uh, is all she's po- she's probably the worst possibly the worst I, no Doc is the worst like he I, I think Doc is the worst but Carol Baskin is an absolute hypocrite and so I think in terms of evil through the, the just the three between Joe Exotic and Doc and Carol Baskin I would put Doc and Carol 1A and 1B and Joe is a distant third now Oh, well, all of these people, may I say, all of these people are just trash people. Well, they are. They are. I'm not I'm not trying to say that they aren't bad people. Uh, and 
you know, we'll watch. We hope to watch a, another few episodes this week, and or maybe try and get through it all. I mean, it's only seven or eight episodes, so we'll do our best. And I, so, I'm sure my my perspective of this will change as we continue to go through it. But and I, I know they're evil people, but right now Joe Exotic looks the worst of the three, even though I know he ends up in jail. He really looks the best of the three. He looks the best. Yeah, he looks the best of the three. He looks. He's the best yeah. of the worst people. Uh, Carol Baskin. I, I no. I. I was like, oh, maybe she's doing good, and then she's like, I don't like uh, seeing animals in cages. And then it shows a picture of a tiger in a cage, and then she says, I keep them in cages until they die. It's like, well, what's good is that? Like, come on, Carol. Like, again, like you've seen their facilities, and she's got like the worst facility of them all. Yes. Oh, it's without a question. Wire bullshit cages. Yes. And they keep them in with weeds and. It's, yeah, it's like she's supposed to be the good person or should be the good person in all of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think she's just as nuts and as evil as uh, the rest of the people. Yeah, I think she's far more of a hypocrite than she is oh, yes. oh, yeah. the uh, the other two. So uh, you know, I'll we'll continue to watch this once we're all through it. Uh, we'll we'll get together here. We'll have a big breakdown of Tiger King. I know we uh, talked about that last week when we did our uh, our live chat um, with Charlie. And you guys are through it. I'm I have one episode left in season one of Ozark. I still I still don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I'm just watching it. I, I think I'm watching it more because there's nothing else on, and I'm trying to see. I'm trying to get into it and see how good it is. Uh, Jason Bateman's great. I just, I, I'm not emotionally drawn into the to the show. Like it, it's just, it, it hasn't pulled me in yet. I'm watching it. I'm trying to get into it. It just hasn't gotten to me yet. Have you? How much of Ozark have you watched? What am I? Yeah, I'm only on episode one, I think, of season two. Okay, so I'm not too far behind you. I think, because third season, third season just came out, right? Yes, yeah. yep. yep. It feels like I'm further along. We're pretty much in the same spot. So, I mean, what, what has happened? You have one episode left? One episode left. So, I, uh, episode eight was the flashback to ten years ago with how he got... In with uh yep, yep. W- with the guy and I can't remember. I know him as Cruz from Criminal Minds. What's it? What's his name again? In in Ozark, I'm you know me. I'm terrible with names. Mexican guy. I don't know. The, the Mexican guy. Yeah, the the, the yeah the, the drug lord essentially. I don't know. I don't um, know what his name is. Really. I, I, so I just know him from this show. I don't know who. Yeah. I episode eight was very confusing to a degree because it seemed like obviously you knew it was a flashback, but you had like. At the beginning, they you know they were driving along and they got hit, and then you go back. You think that the hospital scene is what's going on after, and maybe it is, but then you back, it was kind of back and forth. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, just with the wife got in an accident, and that kind of starts her downward spiral of. But that's because, and I think that's because, like they were just found out that they were pregnant, and they were talking about whether or not they're keeping it and whatnot, and yes. then that's when the accident happened. But that's the end of the episode, and that's. You know, the crash first happened yep. there at the beginning, so it and there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. It, it 
it was. You gotta think a little bit. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I understood what what they were doing. I understood the general principle, but trying to piece the the timeline like the, together was a little difficult. At the very end of it, at the very end of it, you can go back and say, "Oh, okay, this was this, this was that." Yep. Is what was going on. Uh, so the last part that uh, the last episode, then uh, try not to spoil it for everyone. But uh, Ruth essentially rigs the uh, the the pole uh, or the, the the dock, the, the ladder on the on the dock, and kills two family members. I, I think are they both her uncles or something? Um, uh, yes, and the the other yeah. guy that the, the 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 drug lord sends someone you know to to go in on uh, on Marty and Wendy and so there's you know stuffing money into the wall and stuff uh, yeah. and so he happened to see Ruth driving away so he knows what happened and then the one guy from the FBI who's who's gay uh, you know finds out about what happened. And you know, essentially, the whole their whole thing appears to be blown, or it's you know, hanging by a thread, essentially. And he shoots the TV in the bar because the one guy's like, "Finally!" And uh, he shoots the bar, or he shoots the TV at the bar. He leaves, and that's pretty much the end of the episode. Uh, so that's where I'm at. What I like about it is that there's a lot of mysteries involved. There's a lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, I mean, different storylines you've got. The FBI, FBI guy going after the drug guys. You've got uh, the main family. They've got a bunch of different feuds mm-hmm. going on. Them and the uh, the one family in the mountains and yeah, yeah. I mean, just and uh, it is it's, it's all kind of connected. And it's a very corrupt town. Friends, friends become enemies. It's a very corrupt. Uh, Redneck vacation town. There's something that you haven't said, which I assume you haven't gotten to yet, is a fairly big thing, which I assume was coming up in the last episode of the season. (coughs) That'll be a turning point, but yeah, it's really big. Okay. I don't want to expect it. It's like, oh, wow, they did that already? (laughs) So I don't know how long the show's going to go, hopefully. It was at least another season. Like, you know, only one season in. I watched the first one of season two and kind of stopped, and I'm doing some other shows now, so that's... Maybe in a couple of weeks we'll be on the list to uh, get through season two. Okay. Yeah, that, so the Ozark and Tiger King are what I have on the on the list, and then we'll see where where we go from there. It seems like Jason Bateman, like, he gets out of all of He gets in a pickle... And then he gets out of it. Mm-hmm. Then he gets in another pickle, and somehow he finds a way out. He's a schmooze. Kind of he's a smooth talker. He's a schmoozer for sure. He's like, oh, they're gonna kill him. He's like, no, 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 wait, wait. Let's make a deal. I can do this for you. Like, we can make a lot of money doing this. We can do that. We can do this. So that's. I think it's a. Yeah, I, I really like. It. I like. I, I. I don't know if I mentioned this. I think I mentioned this when we we chatted last week. Um, but Jason Bateman plays, I think, almost essentially the same character in whether it's a comedy or where he's kind of got that asshole mentality about him. Uh, this show just doesn't carry the comedic value that he has in, or the, the comedic element that he does in the other ones. But I, I feel like he plays almost the exact same, a, a version of the same character in every episode, in, in everything that I've seen of him. 
even though like he is like supposed to be the good guy in this, he does a lot of bad stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, if there's one guy that you're rooting for, you're rooting for him. Yeah. Like you're not rooting for the other people. You're yeah. like, oh, I want this guy. They're all bad people doing bad things, but you want to see him uh, win out. Look, the one big thing that you're talking about, you're not talking about Sam's mother getting hit by a truck, right? And then... Oh, that was funny. Speaking of pieces of shit that deserve to die. <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, oh my God. What a bitch. What a piece of junk. I love that. If, you did, if you're watching this show and you didn't love her just getting smashed <laughs> into a million pieces, something's wrong with you. Oh, boy. Yeah. So then they bought the the, uh, the the they bought the funeral home. So I don't. That's not yeah. what you were re- referencing, right? That something must be coming up in the last episode. Okay. No, that was that. No, this is a huge huge show. Okay. This is like the biggest thing, and that I would say, assume you know, it's the last episode. But this is the biggest thing I think that happened in season one, and it changes kind of where they go from there. Gotcha. All right. Uh, somehow we've managed and to go. The, uh, yeah. the, the one uh, is your dad out of jail? Not yet. Well, that, that he gets out of jail here. I mean, I'm only two episodes ahead of you. So I mean, it happens. Okay. I think it's the next one he gets out of jail. And that's another element you really don't. You know, you see the dad, but then he's out now, and what's his? All these people want to kill this guy. They, they want to kill uh, Jason Bateman and Morty. They want to kill Morty. <laughs> They, All of these people want to kill him. Marty's like a cat. He's got nine lives. Yeah. Maybe he's dead, like, no. Then somebody else comes along. We've gone 45 minutes somehow talking uh, without much okay. sports to talk about. Uh, we've talked about, uh, of course, a little bit about Corona. We've talked about Ozark. We've talked about Tiger King and everything else. Uh, anything else before we say so long and uh, we, we talk next week with the big mock draft? Ah. Uh, you just watch dumb shit get up there every day and talk for an hour about, I mean, uh, was it Monday? He went absolutely nuts. So, like, there's no reason the show is his press conferences because there's no value in them, and he tells a bunch of lies. So I don't know why we're still showing this. And, uh, and, like, his strategy is very clear. He's been doing this a long time. Like, last night, we weren't talking. I watched the news shows last night. And we weren't really talking about the virus. We were talking about Trump and him getting angry, and he wants to pick a fight with the media, and he wants to pick a fight with whoever. Like, he doesn't want you to talk about how terrible this has been. He wants you to concentrate on him and how crazy he is. And we continue to do that. Like, a couple weeks ago when he said, I want the country to open up by Easter. And anybody with a brain knew that was ridiculous. But what did they do? They spent two days talking about how Trump wants the country open up by Easter. Yeah. There's no reason to spend two days really any about. time at all on that. You got people on saying, is this a good idea? They all say, no, this is a terrible idea. So why do we spend so much time on something like that? It Honestly, it, open up by Easter. it's so stupid. It, they're, they're not doing their jobs well at all. I it, honestly, I that's why I haven't watched hardly any of the news stations. I've 
I've checked, you know, a couple of news websites periodically, you know, for headlines, but I'm not reading a ton about, you know, COVID. Uh, I go to care11.com, one of the, the NBC affiliate in the Twin Cities here, but that's mainly just for Minnesota updates. Uh, nothing, you know, specific. I check, you know, the, the Department of Health because I'm huge in the statistics. I love the numbers, as you know. Uh, so I, I checked, you know, the, the coronavirus map daily. I checked the Minnesota Department of Health just to kind of see the trajectory of where things go. It's just the, that part to me, that's what I'm more interested in. And because information is constantly changing and opinions are varying and stuff, it's like I, I just I can't I can't have the false hope. Like the Vikings give us false hope all the time. Which, which by the way, um, I asked Jeff about this because I had seen something on CBS Sports. Uh, they were doing a mock draft and they had talked about Odell Beckham going to the Vikings. He said that that has no chance. Would you be in favor of Odell Beckham going to the Vikings for a first round pick? Oh, one of them. Yes. Is that it? I th- is that all we got to give up? Is any first round pick? There may be another pick involved. I just saw that it was one first round pick. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I would trade Stephon Diggs or Odell Beckham. I think. You know, look at his contract and whatever. But I mean, that's not going to happen. But the, it's really based on that. Yes. The other, then a far more realistic trade, I think that would happen is again. This is more just speculation, but I. I I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel about either of these trades because uh, it is a very wide receiver deep class. This is the deepest wide receiver class ever in the yeah. NFL draft. I mean, the, wow. the you're going to get a guy with second round talent in the fourth or fifth round. Well, here's the thing: they need more than just one receiver. That's yes. not, I, I guess I'm partial. From what I've seen to uh, Jefferson from LSU, I, I guess. I want him. Yeah, I don't. Don't give me Denzel yeah. Mims. I, you know what? I, I, maybe Mims will I prove think, me wrong, but I don't want Mims from Baylor. I just, I, I don't. I don't. I, want I, him. I would prefer Jefferson yep. from uh, LSU if we're picking a guy with that uh, one of those first two picks. I would rather have Mims over the Rager guy from TCU. I don't. I don't want him. Yeah, I don't want. I mean, obviously, you got the two Alabama guys. You got CD Lamb. Those are the top three guys. Yep. Uh, and then after that, hopefully, you know, if, if one of those guys drops, you know, if uh, Ruggs drops a little bit to the team, the early 20s, you know, maybe uh, that allows Jefferson to drop as well. But I'm partial to Jefferson right now. And if he's the other one on, a, you know, probably a defensive end or a cornerback, Take, maybe an offensive lineman. But, you know. the, there's a chance that an LSU cornerback will be there. That would be prime for the taking. Yeah. And I even saw that maybe, like, I doubt this is going to happen, but Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from Georgia. Can you, I mean, can, can you imagine getting Thomas and then either, uh, you know, a, a, a Jefferson or one of these corners? Like, if they went offensive tackle, corner, wide receiver, if they go wide receiver, offensive tackle, if they go wide receiver, cornerback, like, any of the any three of those combinations, those are the three positions that they need to drastically improve upon, and those are what they need to address. Round I one, if they can get maybe trading down, not really the of the first round or getting more picks. Like I, you know, there's a there's some side out there. You can do a bunch of mock drafts. I haven't tried it yet, but it looks really good. And you know, some of these are just fans screwing off, but. Like trading out of like the twenty fifth pick or whatever, mm-hmm. and getting like the thirty fourth pick and the forty fourth pick and whatever else. I'm like, yeah, give me give me a bunch of picks. If we gotta trade down ten spots where we get like an extra second round pick, sure. Because yeah, there's a lot of holes that they need. They need 
offensive line, defensive line, cornerback, receiver. They, they got some holes to fill here, so uh, I would also be fine, fine with that. They have the second. They're tied for the second most picks. Uh, only Miami has more picks than the Vikings. And, uh, again, it's just so great when you see the Vikings get a first, a fifth, a sixth, and a fourth round next year uh, for Stephon Diggs and a seventh round pick this year. And then Bill O'Brien. If you can package your second rounder and one of those fourths and you can jump back into the first round, do that too. Yeah, yep. Get, get, they do need depth in a lot of areas, you know, corner and wide receiver specifically. Um, but... You know what? I wouldn't be opposed. There's this Ashton Davis, the safety from Cal, very intriguing to me. Uh, he's, he's very good. He was just he was injured the back half of the season last year at, at Cal, and then he couldn't test at the combine. I want him, but you know he would be interesting. I would really want Antoine Winfield Jr., but he's a safety. I don't know if you would, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily where they want to go because you have Harris and uh, Harry the Hitman. But I would be absolutely ecstatic if Antoine Winfield Jr. becomes a Minnesota Viking. That'd be great, and Tyler Johnson, that'd be good, too. To yes. Him. That'd be great. Yep. I, like, yeah. Tyler Johnson, like, I don't know what his stats are, what his, you know, speed, 40 times. Like, how is he not, like, he said it's a deep receiver draft, so maybe that's the answer. How is he not, like, a... Be a second round pick. He, he didn't test at the combine. Not. He didn't test at the combine. I don't think like, he did much. Shit, it's a watch of <laughs> play. Right, Because right. I, I, I think the Senior Bowl too. He didn't. Uh, he didn't do much there, if anything. Um, well, he so, did a whole hell of a lot when he actually played football this year. Still, uh, and and that's football. And that's what's I think going to be different this year is that you aren't going to outthink yourself here. What does the tape show? And then you're going to test the character of the guys, and in, in of course in interviews and stuff. But like you're going to focus more on the tape. You don't have to overthink things with the combine or you know the pro days and and stuff. Just what does the tape show? And that's the key. the The other trade that I saw uh, was T. Y. Hilton for Kyle Rudolph in a mid round pick. I don't know what I think about that. Um, yeah, I mean, Kyle Rudolph, this is his last year, at least with the team, he would think. It's not retiring. Can you imagine? Why, like, why would you get rid of a guy like that to get something? To get T.Y. And it would cost like a third or fourth round I mean, pick, but I mean, that wouldn't be bad. I mean, again, with draft picks, they're so ridiculous. You can get like a Pro Bowl type guy for like a middle round pick. I mean, he is older. He's 30 years old. But, <laughs> I mean... If Anthony Harris, if you couldn't get a first-round pick for him, then what are we doing? Yeah. Like, he's literally, if he's not the best safety, then he's number two or number three. Mm-hmm. How is, how is the, uh, one of the top two or three guys at any position not worth a first-round pick? I don't can, get it. Can you imagine, would there be a slower wide receiver tight end combo than Phillip Rivers to Kyle Rudolph? <laughs> Very, very slow. 40-yard dash is going to take an hour. <laughs> It'd be, uh, very, very slow. Very okay. slow. But yeah, T.Y. Hilton, eh, he's getting older. So you would, you, you would be opposed to that one? I mean, between, obviously, you would want T.Y. Hilton instead of Kyle Rudolph, sure. Yeah. Be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting to watch. Well, next oh, week... There's some... Yeah. some some idiot, whoever it was on Twitter, 
some guy, I don't know if he's a Michigan, some white guy, some guy in the draft, and no, he's not athletic, he's not this. So we, I don't know if you've seen this, he put out this crazy tape about him jumping off the walls and doing flips and shit. I haven't seen that, no. He's some, some draft guy, he's like, oh, I can, you know, he's like, doing all these flips and all these athletic things. And people are like, oh, this is so great. I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> I see this, I'm like, all right, so what, what does this have to do with blocking or rushing the passer? Or doing anything football-related. Great, you can run up the wall and do a backflip. You can do all this other athletic stuff. Great. Well, uh, but, but That doesn't show me anything. That doesn't show me a goddamn thing. Well, Jalen Saunders last year, the defensive tackle from Western Illinois, was the guy who did the backflips. And that's what he Great. was known for. But then he proved himself. I think it, maybe it's more just... Trying to get the name out there and like, oh, you know, maybe we do need to pay attention more to this guy's tape. He's just, you're just trying to get the name out there, I think, at this point. I think point. Randall McDaniel could do a backflip. Randall McDaniel, oh, jeez, that's a blast from the past. Um, a Hall of Fame guy, think he's doing any flips? Probably not. Nope. Uh, so Tiger Woods was on the Masters uh, coverage. You know, the Jim Nance was talking to him on, on Sunday. And so... Golik and Wingo on Monday asked the question, what event would you want to see with a with like a professional athlete there? Like so someone said like Jean Van de Velde watching the, the final uh, the eighteenth hole of the, the British Open or the Open Championship where he, you know, quadruple bogey did or whatever. I came up with two Minnesota Viking ones specific. One good and one bad. Would you care to guess which Two games I'm talking about. Uh, er, also, before, for before I forget, R.I.P. Tavares Jackson. Before we forget. To, to who? Tavares Jackson. Oh yes, that that that's a that's a very sad situation. Uh, Tavares Jackson dying in an automobile accident Sunday in Alabama. The former. And I had no idea. I had no idea he was a Tennessee State. Not a clue. <laughs> yeah. I, I check them. I check their you know. I check their. Staff directory, I checked their coaching staff every now and then. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't know he was there this year. Yep. Didn't know. Didn't I thought he was still I thought he was still in the league. Unbelievable. So one good, one bad. Yep. Moss? No, I, I I'm talking about games. I I'm talking I'm sorry, I shouldn't oh. I, I you want to watch it with the athletes? Yeah, I, I want one. I, I want some. I want the athletes there to kind of break down their feelings and stuff, how the game was going. And I have two Viking you games. Watch, you want to watch the 09 12 game with Brett Favre? No, that would that was uh, that one just missed the. You want to watch the, the 98 title game with Gary Anderson? Yes. You want to watch the yes. 20 whatever the hell playoff game against Seattle with Blair Walsh? Um, I, I, I don't know. The, the 98 championship game, I, I kind of forgot about the Blair Walsh thing, to be honest with you, but that would be interesting as well. Um, now I'm going to have nightmares. Uh, the, 99, the, the 98 championship game, the 98 season, 99, uh, just yep. like with Dennis Green or Chris Carter or someone there, like, what were you thinking as this is going on? And, you know, because you had the Randall McDaniels, you just take a knee and he fumbles it and Falcons. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, then... The Minneapolis Miracle, because I want to know what's going. I want, yeah, I want to know what uh, Sean Payton or Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees is thinking at that point in time again as as they're watching it. I just want to see the the feeling on their face. I just want to see it melt. Uh, that that would be 
those would be my two games. It would have one good, one bad. Any game with Michael Jordan, obviously, for me. Like his last game with the Bulls, I guess, or any other great Michael Jordan game. How about the flu game? Uh, or was he hungover? We don't yeah, know. Flu game, all that stuff. All that good stuff. Uh, or a, a Twins game, something like that. Like, you know, Jack Morris, the 91 World Series Game 7. You know, that would something be like good. that. Very good. Very oh, good. So I've been watching a lot of YouTube, uh, and not that it has to be said, but the greatest uh, presentation, the greatest broadcast, the greatest everything that's ever been done in the history of sports television is mid to late 90s NBA on NBC. If, if you don't start crying or doing other ungodly things, watching that and you just I don't know if I watched it as a kid those were my first memories but Jesus Christ I, you, can, you can say I, I, yeah. I, that the that the the Bulls intro music and the NBA uh, on NBC theme uh, is arguably the two best theme songs ever and then you have the the NHL on ESPN their intro like those are three iconic sports theme songs that will that I don't think for sure the Bulls and the and the NBA on NBC those can't be topped. They just can't. Well, like you just well NBA and NBC you put it in the you put it in the YouTube mm-hmm. and so many things come up. It's just the the intros. I mean, from top to bottom. And oh, here's just Bob Costas going to Marv Albert, and you got Bill Walton there, and it's. Yep. The players and the games and it's Hannah, nothing, Hannah Storm used to do stuff like uh, with NBC. Huh? Hannah Storm used to do stuff with NBC. Hannah Storm, I mean, it's just nothing's better than that. Even if uh, like '95, or look at '95, you had uh, the Spurs playing the Rockets, or you had the Knicks playing the Pacers, or your Magic playing the, the Pacers, or the, the Rockets playing the Magic. It's just all of this stuff. And every It seems like every team had a Hall of Famer, and that's just not the case anymore. It's like, you know, we're watching these games, and we're watching LeBron and the Cavs play the goddamn Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> uh, Eastern County, like, who the hell is the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks? They got Al Horford. Joe, Joe Johnson. You got, you know, you got the Pacers and Paul George. Maybe he's all the same, I don't know. You got Paul George and the Pacers playing the Vulcan Cavaliers. Or on the other end, you've got Stockton and Malone playing Pippen and Jordan. Like, it's, it's not even a comparison. You got Shaq and Kobe playing uh, the Sonics. They're playing, you know, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, if not- that was the height of basketball, then so be it, but... Night and day. I, Night and day difference. I could waste days watching NBA on NBC intros and mm-hmm. games and whatever. Charles Barkley and the Suns versus the Supersonics. Sure, sign me up for an hour of that. Against Sean Kemp and the glove. It was great. Unbelievable. Great Unbelievable. Well, Krenz, get the, get the mock draft ready. Do your preparation. We'll have uh, the uh, one of our best podcasts of the year, as we always say, uh, it was the draft, and uh, maybe let's uh, let's think back to a, a memory next week uh, when you come on. Well, you, I mean, this is your. I mean, your tombstone is going to be littered with draft day Notre Dame type stuff. That's yep. what you do. 
we'll we'll figure out one of those for next week. Uh, maybe we'll do a chat with uh with Charlie and and Marcus and uh Shoddy yeah, and do one uh do a mock draft there. Uh, I'll figure out my my hidden draft gem for this year. But uh, we can maybe think back to when we did this, uh, either you know the TV show or the radio, because we had a lot of good shows doing this uh, back at, we, at SDSU. Marcus has these; they're out there somewhere in Excel, a Google Docs, Excel file. Um, I think we've done these at least ten of these, or if this is not the tenth one, they go back. They go back to like 2011, like Cam Newton. They go back a long wow. way, so we're. I don't know if I send that to you there. And, I mean, we, we a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of shows, uh, too. So. Amazing. Well, good talking with you, my friend. Uh, look forward to talking with you next week. And, uh, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, stay away from Corona and Smithfield. All right, yes. Don't go to Sioux Falls even though I go there on a weekly basis. Yeah. So just stay safe. That's all That's all we ask. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Crins joined us here, Sports Block Podcast. I always appreciate talking with him. Uh, funny stuff there. So we we talked sports. We talked uh, we talked uh, you know a little bit about COVID nineteen coronavirus. We talked uh, Tiger King and Ozark, and that we talked more sports. It's amazing. Uh, and big thanks to Jeff Lloyd the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast, where you can listen to good podcasts, especially if you're a Browns fan. If you're a Browns fan, that's a must listen to. And if you're just in general, want to hear some football podcast, talk, just listen, pull that in. Uh, pull that up here whenever uh, you get your podcast. It's a great podcast, Lockdown Browns uh, there. And so Jeff will join us next week. We'll do a mock draft. Travis and I will do a mock draft, our, our mock draft. So look forward to that, and then we'll have a draft recap, and then maybe a week off. We'll maybe do an NFL schedule uh, podcast for you. Ooh. Excited. I know Krenz is already excited about it. Uh, but maybe we won't because who knows if there will be an NFL season even. Uh, podcasts can be found on podcast.com. Also, uh, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Krenz at Travis Krenz. Uh, Locked on uh, Jeff Lloyd with uh, the Lockdown Browns podcast uh, underscore, or Jeff is at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, Locked on Browns at Locked on Browns. So, uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we'll be back again next week for the best podcast that we do. Top two, anyway. Uh, so, with the mock draft, as the NFL draft is a week away. Fantastic. As of the recording of this podcast. A little over a week. Either way, it's coming up. So, for Jeff and Travis, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week with the NFL Mock Draft edition of Sports Block Podcast. Stay safe, stay well, stay healthy, everyone. Do what we can to uh, minimize COVID-19 and get back to normalcy. Listen to your local officials. This has been the Sports Block Podcast.